to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Hey girl, hey, welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm your co-host, Julie Bender. And I'm Darlene Brock. Dar, when you were growing up, First of all, did you always want to be a mom? No. Oh, all right then. <laughs> no, I actually never wanted to get married. Um, I had all kinds of big plans that did not include a spouse or children. <laughs> so or kids, and look at you now. Yeah, look at me now. I got got a brood, I guess. Interesting. Well, I was going to ask you if you had a number of kids that you wanted to have. So the A number was zero? <laughs> the number was zero. It's not that I... <laughs> didn't think maybe one day I'd want to be a mom, but it was not a goal of mine. I was not the baby doll girl. I was the go out and get the guns out with the boys and pretend like we're, you know, cops and robbers or something. I don't know. What about you, Julie? That's funny. Um, Well, I mean, I think I've shared before that I didn't really grow up like counting the minutes to becoming a mom, but I definitely assumed that I eventually would be. Um, And I think I had the American dream picture of older boy, younger girl. So there's still hope for that. Um, so I think I want one more. People ask me that all the time right oh, now, obviously. Yeah. Um, what's super awkward is Lincoln brings it up all the time. So he wants. Oh, he wants. Oh. I think he wants multiple. So we've not really said, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> I uh, was going through his school papers yesterday because I don't do that often enough because average mom. Okay. And he had done like a resolutions activity, I guess. Okay. And his New Year's resolution was to be kind to his little brother and little sister. He, both of them. He's going to be kind to both of them. So I read it to Donnie and I'm like, um, he's got goals. <laughs> so he's either trying to work the system to put in something he doesn't actually have to do. Or this is his way of just making it clear to everyone who will listen that he wants uh, siblings. It's probably all of the above, but I think what you should really appreciate is he actually wants to be kind to them. Yes. Well, it was Cindy, C-I-N-D-E. So that's that's the girl. I don't. It's just how he spelled kind. So we got, we got lots to work on. He's in first grade. It's fine. Everything's it's, fine. Yeah, it's fine. It is fine. It's been a minute since we've taken some time to just talk about motherhood here on this Grit and Grace Life. So we wanted to just bring that back to the forefront because the truth is, mommin ain't easy. Oh, it is not. It is probably the hardest job you will ever have. Encouraging, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) If you're looking for more on the hardest job you'll ever have and you happen to be a a girl mom, you should check out Dar's book, Raising Great Girls, because in it, when you just said it's the hardest job that you'll have, you talk about how it's so many different jobs. It is, but they're all doable, Julie. They really are. That doesn't mean you have to do them perfectly because you won't, moms. (laughs) Um, But they're all doable. And at the end of the day, it's the most important thing that you can choose to do. I, I know There are so many important things in life, but investing in another human, what could be better than that? I think what makes it hard is that the the soon as you get something, quote unquote, figured out, like massive air quotes there, um, you move on to a new challenge or a new phase, or they're no longer struggling with that thing that you finally found a pseudo solution for. There's just so many stages of motherhood. There are. And if you have more than one child, Julie... um, What you learned with the first doesn't necessarily apply to the second one. It may be changed up entirely. 
So knowing that motherhood is ultimately about building a relationship with your child over their entire life, on this episode, we're going to look at five things that will help you build a strong and healthy relationship in every stage of motherhood. Yeah, and I think I want to unpack a little bit what we mean by relationship. We think we have this little person that comes in our life, whether it's through adoption or birth, or perhaps you've just become a stepmom. You know, you think I should know them. I should know all about them. I should know who they are. And you don't. What do you mean you don't? Like they're yours. Well, they're yours, but do you know their strengths? Do you know their weaknesses? Do you know their talent? Do you know, even as an infant, what their cry means? You don't know these things. You need to build the relationship. You have to get to know this little person. That is such a kind of mind-blowing thought because you think to yourself, you have this mother's instinct. And a lot of times we do kind of intangibly know what our child needs, but you're so right. Our child is becoming their own person as they come of age and they're changing and growing and developing. And we are getting to know them throughout their entire life. So I think that's a really unique way of looking at the fact that we are building a relationship with them from birth, or like you said, from whatever time they come into our life, depending on how we became their mother. Well, and you need to get to know them and you need to let them get to know you. But I think the first thing you need to do is listen, listen to your child. But what if they're talking all the time? Do I have to listen all the time? <laughs> this is asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, asking for a friend. You know what? I've met your little guy. And he has so a very chatty. vast vocabulary. He really does. <laughs> no, you don't. You absolutely don't because you will lose your ever-loving mind. I had one of each. So I know what you're talking about. It, you, They wake up, they open their mouth, they go to bed, and it's finally closed. <sighs> yes. So it can become a very, very long day. But if you want to know that child, you have to at least listen to enough Mm -hmm. and realize in all of their conversation, they're trying to tell you about who they are, what they want to be, what they care about, what's important to them. And you need to spend time listening enough that you hear those things. Yeah, there's definitely times where Lincoln is just chattering nonstop about unimportant things and making sure I know what he wants for his next birthday when it's months and months away. And I'm so discouraged by his discontent little heart. And then all of a sudden he'll break in with a very thought provoking question where I have to double take, like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? We were just talking about Minecraft, which you don't even have a device to play on. (laughs) And then we're talking philosophical, deep things. So you're right. There's taking kind of knowing when to put the distractions away and sit and lean in and listen to what they're saying. And, and, can you talk more about listening to the ones who aren't talkers? Mm, I sure can. They're not going to tell you what they think. They're not going to tell you how they feel. So you have to watch to be able to listen. You have to watch them to see if their mood is shifting, if they're going to their room more, if they are not engaging with their peers, if you have to watch their life. And then you also have to insert yourself in their life. You have to go where they are. Now, this is not like imposing the mom world in their world. You don't want to embarrass them. You don't want to anger them. But it's more of a Mm one-on-one where you create scenarios that you and that child are together in a closed situation, whether it's a sporting event, whether it's a weekend trip, whether it's a dinner out. It doesn't matter because you get them comfortable somewhere. Normally, it'll start coming out. It may be little, it may be 
phrases, but you'll start getting an inkling of what's going on in their life. So then you can help them resolve it. What if your child, who's maybe not as much of a talker, doesn't prefer, it seems, to talk to you, but maybe prefers to talk to his or her dad? Should we try to jump in anyway? How do we foster that? No, you want that child to talk to whoever they'll talk to. Sometimes it may be your best friend that they're mm-hmm. comfortable with, or you have a sibling and that is their aunt that they're willing to tell anything to. Let them do it. Put them in the scenarios where they'll do that because the goal is finding out what's going on in their lives and what they need. For sure. So we need to spend time listening. We need to spend time just spending time, actually being present, even like you said, if they're not talking, um, just spending that quality time with them in order to develop this get to know you reciprocal part of your relationship. Anything else that kind of falls in that making sure you know them and they know you category? Well, when you talk about being present, Julie, and being with them, I think part of that is really hard today because we're attached to our devices. Not me. No, I know you're not. (laughs) Oh, there goes your watch. Um, No, it's it's natural. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in a world of constant communication, and that's okay. But your child needs to know they're more important than your phone or your Apple Watch or your computer or what your iPad, whatever. Or their device. Or their device. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and. They also need to know that you want them to know you're more important than their device, Mm -hmm. that they need to be willing to put it aside too. But like everything else, you have to put it aside first. I think another important characteristic that our kids need to pick up from us, their mothers, is honesty. And they need to know that we can say, I'm sorry when I was wrong. Um, And they also need to learn how to say sorry themselves. This is something I feel like we're really, really working on with Lincoln right now. He's not wanting to take responsibility when he does something wrong. And I'm like, are you kidding me, kid? I've been apologizing to you from day one. Like, (laughs) can you start at least modeling that back? But there's a level of just being patient and knowing that this is an area that I kept to continue modeling to him. Well, and I think that comes into building a relationship because if you're being honest with them, Julie, and saying, I'm sorry, like you have, then they know what it's like to do that. Mm -hmm. And they know you're willing to do that. So at some point they will be too, but you know, they're little sinful people. They don't (laughs) want to admit guilt. Heavens, they don't want to admit it at all. The other day, this is kind of a combination of the device situation and learning to be sorry. Um, I had misplaced one of my AirPods. So my husband got me AirPods for Christmas. I started using them all the time. I was cleaning the kitchen and listening to a book because I also listen to books now. Who am I this year? I don't know, Julie. Very interesting. Okay. So I had one earbud in and one out so that I could hear either my husband or my son if they needed me. And Lincoln came into the room. So I was going to put my earbud away and just listen to him. I couldn't find the case. I had lost the case. So I got very frazzled. I was immediately filled with fear that I'd lost it. I, I thought it was right there. Donnie comes out. He's trying to help me. The whole house is looking for the earbud. I have the one that I've just taken out of my ear. It's on the counter. Donnie starts going through the trash. Bless him. That's a man. He'll go through the trash for your earbud. he's the best. So he finds the case. And I'm like, okay, good. Sorry. Who thought I lost it? I've now lost the earbud. Oh, no. I also threw it away. He looked (laughs) through the the trash, threw it. So I'm 
incredibly flustered at this point. So I kind of yell at Lincoln or meanly tell Uh him to go get ready for wherever we were going. Yeah, we do that. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I looked at Donnie like, can you believe he didn't know how to pack his own bag for wherever we're going? And he just kind of looked at me like, "Uh, I think you're the one who's in the wrong here. He's like, you're being very short. And I was like, "Ah, well, I started to defend myself. And then I just said, Link, come here. And he came over and I said, mommy got really frustrated because she lost her earbud and I was really mean to you. Will you forgive me? And he just hugged me and ran off. I'm like, I thought that was going to take longer or be set in a little bit more. You know something that kids do? They forgive quickly. Something we need to learn from them is they forgive. You say, I'm sorry, and they go, okay. And they move on. I love that. I love that. Hmm. Oh, another thing I think you'll find is when your child is going into a new situation and you're going with them, maybe a, you know, a new church, a new school, a new classroom, and they start expressing their fear. And the truth is, a lot of times you have fears too on their behalf, that you're nervous, is this going to work? Are they mm-hmm. going to do well? Whatever your the things go through your mind, and they start expressing fear. Instead of saying, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Be honest and say, you know what? I'm kind of nervous about it too. Mm. I'm kind of scared that this could happen or this could happen, but there's a good chance these other things could happen too. Let's talk about it. And if you're honest, it helps them unpack their fear because you've expressed your own insecurities. Yeah. So it's teaching them to express their emotions, to not be scared of them, to then find the coping mechanism of imagining a positive scenario. But it's also fostering that connectedness of being able to share your feelings with that trusted person being their parent. I love that. Okay. The next big thing we need to do is protect them, Julie. Now, protection comes in all different ways. Like helicopter mom them? Is this what we're saying? No, not at all. (laughs) Protecting them is also allowing them Mm. to have hit their own bumps and have their own life experience. But, you know, you start by setting boundaries for them. And there is no better way for them to know they're loved than to know that you care enough to tell them things that you don't want them to do or allow them to do. Mm -hmm. They really don't like those boundaries, though, Dar, I've noticed. No, who does? Yeah, that's true. When you think about it personally, I don't like them either. I don't yeah. want to be, you tell me I can't do something and I instantly want to do it. And that is the truth of our children. But it is one of the highest forms of love and protection is setting healthy boundaries for them. And Julie, you'll find since my daughters are grown now, I can tell you this from real life experience, those boundaries change. Those, those things that you tell them they could not do, maybe they can do when they're 16, but they couldn't do when they were 12. And they will change in accordance to their age. But not only that, you're getting, you have gotten to know them through the years. So you know what boundaries are appropriate to that personality that may not be appropriate to a different personality. The fears one child will have, the other won't. Mm -hmm. And you have to address your boundaries accordingly. See, that there makes me so nervous about having another one. Like I I kind of feel like, well, maybe I know what I'm doing, but what if they're completely different? Yeah, they will be. (laughs) No, no, no. Yes, it is a different and new experience, but there are a whole lot of things that you can apply. And part of the biggest thing that you apply to your second, and I can't imagine third, fourth, or fifth child, is 
you know what? I'm not going to screw up so bad that it's going to really hurt them <laughs> because it hasn't totally trashed my first child. So there's a little pressure off with the next one. I think ultimately it comes down to, as the parent, you need to make sure they know what you expect from them, that you're going to hold them to that expectation, that boundary. Um, but you know, it's seasoned with that love and understanding of their temperament, your established relationship. Um, and I think another really big one as far as protecting them is to recognize that they are those little sponges. They're listening to every single thing we say and do and don't say and do. Oh, and that's terrifying <laughs> because we don't always say and do good things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially in today's climate where there's such polarized attitudes on so many different things. And if you don't add kindness to the discussions, if you don't add grace to whatever conversation you may be having with your spouse or your friends or your, you know, whoever is in your adult world, you have to realize that little person's in the corner and they may be playing, but they are hearing every word you say and how you say it. I think the last thing to consider when we're thinking about protecting our children, and this is maybe one of my weaknesses, is to pause before we react. This is definitely an area that I could work on. Oh, I think every mother has that challenge because you immediately want to say whatever's in your mind or react, especially when they get older and they say something that terrifies you, mm -hmm. that, you know, perhaps information you kind of wish you didn't hear, but mm -hmm. you need to hear. So, you know, pause, straight face, no expressions that if you have to go in your bathroom and practice it, do it. <laughs> but it's a necessary tool to be able to keep the relationship growing. Okay, so we're going to get to know them and let them get to know us. We're going to protect them. What's the next key to building a healthy relationship with our children? It's what everybody needs. We need to encourage them. We need to make them know that we think that they are special, that they are great. Now, they won't always be great. So when they're doing something that's not great, don't <laughs> say, hey, you're great. Um, <laughs> but they need to know that you are their cheerleader. So if they excel in something, if they perform a, an act of kindness, if they show a good character trait or a talent, tell them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think sometimes we overlook this, or we don't want to, um, you know, be that participation trophy person. So we almost hold back because we want to see if they can do more or do better. You know, you know in your gut when you need to just give that affirmation or that encouragement. And and I know we can be fearful of too much, but there's almost not too much. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the studies are, and I don't really really know the facts on this or who did the study, but there have been studies done that say. <laughs> One negative statement takes like 10 positive ones to overcome. So I don't think you can overdo that one, Julie. I don't, again, we're not telling our child they walk on water when they don't. But yeah, they're when, still, we're still being honest. Yes, right? yes. But we are wanting them to feel good about themselves. And when we feel good about them, that helps. Encouraging them also means we've got to help them overcome fears, face fears, give them opportunities to do something that they kind of think they don't want to um, and will grow as a result of doing them. Well, and that doesn't mean you say, oh, it's an easy thing. It's easy to do. You shouldn't feel that way. You don't. You recognize the fact that it may be a challenge for them. It may be something that's really hard, whether it's learning the multiplication tables or going in a social setting. It may be something that is really challenging for them. So acknowledge that. Don't ignore it. 
but then help them believe that you believe that they can face it and overcome it. I think taking this challenge concept a little bit further is maybe they've already done the next level and they've faced a fear and now they're kind of living in a plateau or a comfort and it's time to encourage them to stretch beyond that a little bit. Maybe it's not necessarily that they're scared to do something, but they're happy where they are. They feel like they know enough. They don't really want to add to the um, you know difficulty level of something that they've been doing. It's our job as their mom to encourage them to stretch. It is. And even stretch beyond what they already know. Because by the time you get to this place with your child, they're usually older. They're at least in elementary, um, middle school, high school. You've got to know your child's strengths a little bit by that time. And they may not be exploring something that is natural to their strengths or their abilities. They may not be pursuing sports or art or music or whatever that you go, I think this kid would be really good at it. Introduce it. Put them in a place where they have the chance to learn if they do like it, if it is natural to them. So push them beyond the world that they already know. All of what we've talked about so far kind of feels like planning and you're in the middle of stuff. I want to encourage you as a mom to do spontaneity. I want you to uh, not just say this game is this time or this class is this time or this project has to be here. If there's an opportunity to do something fun at 11 o'clock at night with your child, even though they probably should be in bed, do it. (laughs) Do it. There's nothing more exciting for either personality of children, the communicator or the non-communicator, to Mm -hmm. do something that's out of the box. And it actually opens them up to a healthier relationship with you. Love that. I don't want my kid up at 11 p.m., though, let's be clear. (laughs) Not until he's like middle school, I guess. Okay, good. Uh, Okay, so next, I love this one. Um, This is near and dear to my heart. The idea of you want to be who you want them to be, or said another way, be who you needed when you were younger. That is such an important um, shift in perspective when it comes to parenting. Well, and I know for you, Julie, um, there were needs that you had as a child that were glaring that uh, you are committed to seeing that Lincoln has the exact opposite. And I think that is one perspective a lot of women find themselves in. Mm-hmm. Well, and in our scenario, I feel like it's almost like trifold because I I can see, you know, issues that maybe were unaddressed even in Paul's upbringing that I feel like I need to address that. And now he's got, you know, his new dad and the things that he brings to the table that he wants to correct from what he experienced. And that's a gift. The fact that we can bring those experiences to our parenting, that should be a gift to our children. So in everything you do, you want to exemplify the traits that you want your adult child to have when they get to that place. You want them to have a faith, then you need to have a faith. You want them to be honest, then you need to be honest. You want them to have integrity, you need to have integrity. Well, it's kind of like we said before, they're always watching. And so they're going to pick up and emulate the ways that we treat people, the ways that we um, speak, the way that we, you know, handle cultural events, all of that is going to be, um, you know, imitated by these little people who are coming up right behind us and doing as we do. And right now in today's world, there may be things that we really believe we need to stand for, things that we believe are important cultural premises or cultural stances that matter to the health of all of us. 
Well, when we do that, we need to do it right. We don't need to be unkind or belligerent or arrogant or act as if we're, we have all the answers because we don't. Don't care where you're at. We don't. Nobody does. Um, but to be able to stand for things that you believe are truth, because mostly I think my faith starts that conversation. How do I do that in a way that is kind and loving and gracious and merciful and understanding that you know, I'm in the same boat as everybody else? And you know what? Your child will follow your lead on that one. Well, it makes me think of um, a fairly popular verse if you're in the church or have spent any time reading the Bible. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And if that would just be the lens by which we're trying to parent, let our kids see God in the way we interact with them, and almost more importantly, the way we interact with others. That is a testimony to who they will ultimately become. And like you said, if they're going to have a faith of their own. All right. Last one, Julie. Pretty simple and yet some days very hard to do. <laughs> love them. I think I need to say that 14 times. Love them, love them, love <laughs> them, love them. Oh, I love them. Him. <laughs> this is not a pregnancy <laughs> announcement. <laughs> no. And the future ones that someday will come perhaps maybe. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, it, as a mom, we think we love our kids all the time. But if we're honest, there are times where, sure, we love them, but do we really like them? Well, and sometimes their action makes them not very likable. Okay. So, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's, that's actually okay. You know, you can go, I do not like who you're being right now. Mm -hmm. I don't like it at all, but I'm going to love you in the middle of it. I'm going to love you when you're behaving badly or you're behaving well. So what does this look like practically? What are some things that, you know, as moms, we show an unending love for our kids by doing what? Um, I think going back to everything we talked about, those commitments that we make to care for them, to listen to them, to protect them, we are showing them in all of those that we love them. But then there are individual circumstances. You've got your 13-year-old I only had daughters, so I dealt with the girl version of it that would just say horrible things to you as they're marching up the stairs. Mm -hmm. And they would say things like, I wish someone else was my mom. I can't stand you, et cetera, et cetera. And your heart is breaking, yeah. you know, and you're like, that child just totally hurt me. So what do you do? Do you say it back? Well, actually, a couple of times I said, right now, I don't like you either. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was truth. I was being honest. But then when everything settled down, I would go up to their room, which they did come out of, open the door and go crawl in their bed and say, but I love you. I love you with everything I am. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always taking the opportunity to follow up whatever happens with, I love you. It's definitely saying I love you for sure. And you know what? There are some people who really struggle to say those words, maybe because their parents didn't say it to them, or maybe they're in their relationship in the home between their spouse, there's a loss of love. And so it's hard to communicate that. So I think it's super important to use those words and then our actions of standing by them no matter what. You know, we may not, like you said, we may not like what they're doing, but we make sure we communicate that we still love them and we're still their mom. We're still with them and we um, will we'll have their back and we'll walk them through whatever tough season they may be in or whatever mistake they've made. Um, we'll be there as they figure it out. 
Well, and, you know, again, my daughters are grown, and I have seen peers of mine whose children have really made very, very poor choices in their teenage and young adult years. And they were, they were living in their poor choices. And I've had some friends who, no matter what, stood by them. I've had some who have said, if you act that way, you're not my child. Don't ever, ever, ever say, if you act that way, you're not my child. Because we don't have a God in heaven, our Father in heaven, who has ever said that to us. Mm-hmm. We act all kinds of ways, and we're still his child. Well, we should be no different, mm-hmm. because that is your child. And that child needs to know, no matter what they do, no matter how deep they get in, you are their mom, and you will always, always, always be there for them. The door will always be open, and you will always embrace them when they come back. There may be embarrassment. There may be consequences that need to be paid, and you may reap um, you know, some of those consequences just by association. Um, there may be some hard, hard conversations that need to happen, um, but you never turn your back on them. Well, our hope is to just shine a light on some of our biggest role in life, and that is being a mom. And our desire at the end of the day, we all have different parenting styles. We have different strengths. We have different number of kids and different kinds of kids. And yet at the end of the day, we all want to make sure our children feel loved and connected to us. So our hope is that in these five ways that you can focus on building a relationship with your children, you can take this episode and start applying it into the relationship you have with your kids. You'll get to know them and let them get to know you. You'll protect them. You'll encourage them. You'll be who you want them to be and you will love them. So mom, we're telling you, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it all right. You simply have to just commit that you're going to be that mom for them that they need. We're definitely going to wrap this episode up with a quote for moms. Ann Landers said, It's not what you do for your children, but what you have taught them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. So here's to another week of momming with both grit and grace. Oh, friends, you're going to love next week's episode. Our guest, Sherilyn, helps us look at some common struggles we all face. Mom guilt people-pleasing, and misguided purpose. Be sure to tune in for that one. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Whether you're listening in Apple, Spotify, or streaming somewhere else, be sure to subscribe and review so you never miss an upcoming episode. You can also share this episode with a friend you think might enjoy living a Grit and Grace life with us or share us in your social media and tag us. Every week, we share all the details of what we discussed at our website, gritandgracelife.com. We'll catch you on the next one.